Hello, and welcome to the Post Rec Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And uh, welcome to episode two. Dude, two of two uh, up until this point. Yeah, just two. This is episode <laughs> two, man. So this is exciting stuff. So let's start off, uh, as we always do, let's talk about our week's Strava stats. Uh, I had three rides again this week. 70 miles and 1,800 elevation feet gained. Still a, a little bit of an off week for me, climbing-wise. Uh, a little... Early in the year, so I don't do a lot of mountain climbing right now, but, you know, still a long way to go to reach my average of 5,000 feet a week. That will be uh, pretty nice if that happens. If we can get into uh, some South Mountain, that, that'll be fine, though. Yeah. Um, for my week, five rides and one hike. Uh, I had some friends in town, so we mixed it up a little bit. Uh, 112 miles, 2,500 feet of elevation on the bike, and 1,200 on the hike. Kind of throws off the week, starting with a hike, but it was really nice out, and you know you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Oh yeah, you got to mix it up. You know? <laughs> it's no gravel, but uh, it'll it'll have to work. Speaking of, that's true. Well, we were out of town this weekend. We went to a cabin up in uh, this little town called Heber. I had never been there before. It's a small little town, and went up there for a friend's birthday, and we brought our mountain bikes, and uh, it was pretty muddy up there. Yeah, muddy, icy. It was uh, it was fun. Yeah, it actually <laughs> was. So, you know, that was my first time really riding in that kind of condition. You know, I don't ride my mountain bike very often. It's a very entry-level mountain bike that I got just to kind of, like, test it out, and, and you know, it is heavy as all get out, but... Um, yeah, it was nice. I thought it'd be a little cold, and it was like in the low 40s, and uh, ended up being really nice. Yeah, no, I had I had a fun time. I'm, I was on kind of more of a gravel style, so a little bit narrower tires, but much lighter than uh, Sam's bike. So when we got to climbing, yeah. that it was a lot easier. So we were up there, and it was 7,700 feet. So when you're doing anything, it's just harder in general. And then when you get stuck in mud... It, it adds to it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was pretty fun. So, like, the we were just kind of tootling around in a neighborhood. You know, we went driving around for a little bit, looking for a place to ride our bike in, like, a forest road. But they were all closed or too much snow. And we got to this one spot that looked pretty promising. And then it was just super muddy. And it was just not for our skill level at that time. So it was just a bad weekend to bring our mountain bikes. But we had no idea. So we ended up going around the little area where our... our cabin was but you know there were some streets and then we ended up getting on some like dirt roads that were iced or a little some snow left over and so they were muddy and you know downhill and uphill and the, and the mud was you know it was a pretty fun experience actually yeah i had a good time and would have had a better time if the hot tub had water in it when we came back because <laughs> yeah. i was really excited for that well you got to get a good hot tub soak in for a recovery you know yeah we had one this morning that's so all good <laughs> dude it was hilarious he like Rinses off all the mud off his legs, and like we're getting ready to get in the hot tub, and he like runs outside, and he's like, uh, "There's no water in here," and I'm just still wet because I'm like, "Well, if I'm I'm not gonna really dry off if I'm just getting from the shower to the hot tub." Yeah, really, well, was, really cold. It was a lame way to to end that ride, but we still had a good beer. Yeah, uh, well, for my ride of the week, I would say it's a it's a future ride. So I was uh, in the neighborhood. Went up a little bit north. There's an area called Deem Hills, which is mountain biking. Uh, and there's a neighborhood where the road just dead ends, where there's a canal. But behind that, 
there's just open land. Hills looks awesome. And I saw a few guys with crash pads coming out uh, who are rock climbing. And then just, just after them, someone walking their dog stopped and talked to him for a little bit. And he's like, yeah, I ride my mountain bike back here all the time. So that that is what I'm looking forward to next week. I'm going to go out there and try that out just because it's hard to get climbing feet and it's close to my house. So it'll be a nice change up. And I've been throwing, you know, one gravel ride in just for fun, mainly to mix it up. So hopefully if that works out, that'll be really nice. No, that would be pretty nice. Always good to shake it up, especially when in the area where we live is not plentiful with rides around from the house. It's true. There's traffic and it's, it's limiting and, and gravel's the thing, man. You're just hip. That's, that's all that can be said there. Sure. Total hipster. So, uh, well, let's move on to our main topics for this uh, week's episode. I want to start off with something, kind of an interesting story we saw pop up about uh, Colin Strickland. Uh, you know, he won the Dirty Kansas last year. He was uh, given a one-year contract, rookie contract from EF Education, you know, to join the world tour and uh, race Paris-Roubaix. And, uh, well, he declined it. Good on him. Yeah, I mean, I can understand his perspective. You know, he's 33. He's building up his own, like, portfolio and building his own sponsorships. You know, he's sponsored by Red Bull. And, you know, he has all these relationships he's built over his, his gravel career. And to throw all that away and risk the relationship over a one-year contract making less money just for the chance to race uh, Paris-Roubaix is a little bit of a big ask for someone at his stage of his career. Yeah, it's tough because you would think this is everyone's dream. You know, they get to ride the world tour. We're going to get to ride Robay. But probably as, I think you said, a 33-year-old, same as me, if you have something coming in, which is a, you know, better salary, he, I think he has a family, you're at that age where you're making a more adult decision where it's like, yeah, let's make the childhood dream, you know, come true to ride Robay, but I need to support myself. And if one year you take away, you step away from all of that, you come back, you know, those sponsorships may not be there any longer. Yeah. And it could change, you know, the format of things. There's more pros going into things like gravel. You know, he has his window right now and he's taking advantage of it. I think, you know, that's the best yeah. option. I totally agree. And, you know, he's not at a place to risk at all, you know, and so it's just a, a smart decision on his part, even though it is kind of like sad and one of those things where like you want to see it. It's just the right choice for him. And I don't disagree with, you know, having risks is just part of the game. And, you know, I saw this interesting article about the race director for the Giro, uh, Veni. Uh, I believe is how you probably butcher his last name, but uh, <laughs> he had warned the pro continental teams of the Italians. That if they don't, you know, improve, they might not get a guaranteed spot of the wild card for the Giro. I kind of like that because a lot of times it's just sort of a, you here's your invite. And sometimes they earn it and sometimes they don't. And, you know, he, apparently he's seeing something that he doesn't like. And he wants to see a little more growth in the Italian little pro cycling teams. And I think that's a perfectly good warning to just throw it out there for next year. Like, hey, you got to earn it. Yeah, it's a kick in the pants a little bit, even, you know, if they're doing good. I think that could, other Grand Tours could follow suit on that. It's just, you know, the Tour de France, French teams. Vuelta, Spanish teams. 
and then you get some of the classics and you'll get the Dutch teams, things like that. Belgium where stuff, yeah. It's not a guarantee anymore, especially with things becoming more global. You have um, Israel Startup. There's no local race for them. So if they're if they're doing well, they're going to get the invite. That's basically what he's saying. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Yeah. Although, I feel like some of the Italians and the Spanish were doing pretty well in both those Grand Tours and winning stages, making it exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think Caja Real, uh, you know, in the Spanish, it, you know, is a great team. You know, they're fun to watch. So, uh, Well, when we were trying to pick Giro winners, there was they were all over the place. And there was the smaller teams were winning stages. Yeah, they definitely had a, a good, those, good tour last year at the Giro, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, but it's it's just a fickle mistress. You know, some of the best riders will get picked up by a, a world tour team, and then there's you have to find new talent, you know. That's it's the a, big thing. It's a rotating door, where in the world tour, it's a little more, you know, set in stone of who your riders are going to be for a certain time. And, you know, in the, in the smaller teams, they just could lose a rider, you know, and, and that's very common. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tougher, to I would imagine, to keep a pro cycling team you know, a pro continental team or whatever to, you know, stay competitive over a long haul. It's pretty impressive that these teams typically have been very successful. Yeah. Um, so one of the bigger stories of the week was uh, Team Ineos announced the calendar for their main riders for GC. What uh, What did you think, man? I think it's I think it's bold, and maybe it's the same kind of kick in the pants or throwing people off. Because when you're looking at the big stories from, and they're saying he's in recovery and he's not getting leadership. As of yet, right? And they've always left the door open, but it's not like a etched in stone, like he's our guy right now, you know? And that's telling, you know, there's a lot of rumors swirling. We talked about this last week of, you know, he's supposed to leaving training camps early and then he's, you know, trolling on Twitter about it or whatever. And so... The, the end of the day, and everyone knows, is his recovery is serious, and like no one really knows at all where he's going to be, and like this is just more proof. Yeah, it's just crazy to put it all into perspective. Just a rider of his caliber, and you know they're calling him the best, you know, Grand Tour rider of of his era. All of that. Now you're not getting leadership. It's understandable. It's just hard to kind of put that all into perspective. It's it's like De Kunic now. They maybe they're terrible they don't win any races people would be like what you know what's going on what happened they were always good for 40 wins so i think it's the same thing where it's just different and it seems off but their team has been changing a lot i think once bernal was doing well and carapaz it's a it's a different style of team i think now a little bit yeah no i definitely think so you know so uh carapaz is going to defend his euro title you know, I wasn't sure if that was going to be a good move on him. You know, I would have liked to see him do something else. You know, I always like to see riders try to win all three, you know. Like, this doesn't happen too often, and I think that's just really cool. And You know, on, on a personal level, I was a little disappointed, but it's also good for Carapaz. He's on a new team. He needs to work out the kinks and kind of figure out how the team's going to stand behind him. And so it's a good race, and I think it's a beautiful race. It's one of my favorite, you know, Grand Tours anyway. So I'm happy to see him defending his title, but... Best trophy, so that's all it counts. Oh, easily the best trophy. <laughs> you know, almost. I mean, I would say it's probably the best trophy in cycling. I think, besides the Roubaix, the cobbles, Pave. You know, like that's a really cool sort of like unique thing to them. But the the Giro trophy is just super cool. 
it's awesome. It's no Trident, but <laughs> no. I mean, the Trident's a little gimmicky, but it's it's still cool. But it's still something, you know. Like you get like a plate from the Tour de France, you know. You have that on your table as a nice serving dish. You could put some like fruit in it, I guess. Be really nice. I don't even know what the the Welta gets. I don't either. <laughs> it's better than than that. No, it's probably not. I don't even know. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so he'll be defending that, and, that, and that's totally understandable. Like. You know, Bernal and Thomas are going to the Tour de France, so those are the two most pressing needs, and they'll see how their season pans out, and they'll send someone to the Vuelta. Maybe it'll be a good tour for their younger riders that are coming up, you know? Sivakov, another one to have a kind of chance to do something. But those two are the big ones, right? Vuelta has always been the... The leftovers, if you crashed out of one, or the redeeming of your season kind of thing. Yeah, it's always been that. So it, no one ever really plans for that because it's so far into the season that they're just like, we'll see what happens in four or five months. We'll see. We don't even know how the season's going. What about the the season starting here over down with the tour down under? Yeah, that started today, I guess. I don't know if it technically started. It was a criterium. Well, we can go back a little further. The, the women's on here. That's I true. was watching a bit of that. That started earlier in the week. Uh, how was that? It's good. Uh, I watched a few stages. Ruth Winder won the overall. I didn't see that, but I saw her, I think it was the second stage, and she looked good climbing. It was her, uh, Spratt, uh, another Mitchelton rider, and a Sunweb rider, and she was just going toe-to-toe. The Sunweb rider, even younger, um, but Ruth <laughs> at 26, just looked good. She was just could match every move uh, that Spratt was making, and Mitchelton definitely coming in with the strongest team and usually in the best form. Uh, so it was nice to see, and then nice to see definitely the overall win. I'd like to look back and see how how things you know went in her favor that way, but I could imagine it for sure. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't get a chance to watch, but it is nice to see an American win, you know, and Spratt has won, what, three or four years in a row, so... You know, it's nice to see someone else win, you know, a, a new race, on a, not really an up-and-comer per se. I mean, she's been around, but seeing her, you know, she won the U.S. Nationals and she's coming up here. So great, great start to her season. See those stars and stripes on the podium, dude. Always a good sight. All right. So we have the, the men's tour down under starting today. There was a crit- criterium, a little rainy. Uh, looks like Caleb Ewan came away with that one, which is not surprising for him. So we'll see how he goes uh, on the, when the stage starts tomorrow. But sort of expected for him to win at least one of these stages. But it's a lot of sprinters here this, this year. Yeah, I think the interesting thing will be to see how each of them work in with their new sprint trains. Because kind of looking at all of them, maybe Ewan almost has the most established sprint train and for himself. Because... Bennett is coming in on a new team. Viviani's coming in on a new team. Greipel's coming in on a new team. Philipson is on the same team, but I think there's been some changes there. It's just not the same as these established trains that have been working with the same guy. I guess the Dakunic one's probably fairly similar. Yeah, they're just kind of plugging and chugging a new rider in the in the in the thing. So. They lost a few people, so it's a little different. But it's. I think that's. It, this is the tune-up for all those all those guys out here. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I thought you know Viviani or Bennett maybe could have been top, but maybe they're just too new. I think I saw something. Maybe Bennett was out of position because his lead-out man was in the top ten and he wasn't there at all. So something 
must have happened. I didn't really look into it. But yeah, I think it'll be it'll be nice to see where where this goes and where it goes for GC on these other guys too. Yeah, I mean it's you know sort of the same names you expect uh, there for the GC. You got Impy who won last year, and then you have Port looking to take back the trophy. You know he's won it a few times and seems to always win on Wollonga Hill. So it's his thing. Would be a surprise to see him not win, I guess. Yeah, but there's a couple other teams that are there with some good riders who have the potential to take those two on. You know, we we were looking at George Bennett. Nielsen Palace is going to be there on his, you know, new EF education team. So it'll be an interesting thing for him to see how he's kind of feeling out the new team. I don't know if he's there to win per se, but it's within his wheelhouse, I would imagine. It wouldn't be like a complete shocker. I mean, we talked last week that he was getting a leadership position, so he he better be the leader now. Just otherwise we're going to look bad. That's true. Uh, we got Jay McCarthy on Bora. You know, they didn't send uh, anyone of note, really. So Sagan's going to, you know, Volta San Juan. So he's their main guy, it looks like. And we'll see how he does. And then, you know, Roman Bardet's there. And, you know, he has a totally different season. He's not doing the tour. So maybe he's looking for a quick spike uh, of a victory. And it's with, you know, he can climb. And maybe Wollonga Hill maybe is a little too punchy for him. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe he's lost. Yeah, it's... I don't think I've ever seen him down the tour down under. I don't remember it. I don't know. Maybe he's also just looking to mix things up for his season. You know, things are didn't go as planned, so something has to change. And yeah, it seems like he's doing a complete change this year, and so yeah, he's a wild card for me. I I, I think um, you know, I had joked about you know my secret hope was what Warbass or. Uh, <laughs> no, Joey Roscop. That's what I see. Yeah. So we'll see how that one pans out on the vast. So that's a dark horse. No one's holding their breath. No, I might. <laughs> but uh, one thing I didn't note about the sprinters, I am hoping Greipel gets to win a stage, dude. I, I just, I just, I just really like him. Does he have the record for stage wins there? He might. I don't know. I know he's won a ton, and he's won the overall when it was a little bit different course. But uh, you know, hey, this is the restart he needs, man. He's going to be the grandfather. I mean, he's on Israel's startup, so some it, it's the start. Yeah, it's a startup for name. him. Yeah, it, he's ready to rock and roll. I, I, I'm going to cl- stick a claim, and he's going to win one sprint at the Tour Down Under. I will not support you in that, but <laughs> I hope he does. Yeah. Well, who do you think is going to win? Overall? Yeah, yeah. Port. He needs it. It's all he's got. <laughs> Well, he's not getting anything else later. He's had a couple of rough years, you know, and so I really want him to do well this season, and this would be a good jump start to his year. So, no, I agree. But he's also coming in for it specifically. You know, like, it's his home race. Like, he's there to win. So I kind of expect him to win as well. I'm picking Palace for who I want to win. All right. I'd like to, I'd like to see George Bennett win if, if it wasn't Port, just because he's going to be working the rest of the year. So get something under his belt for himself. And then get back to business, helping Yumbo Visna win all three Grand Tours. He's not going to be picked over Dumoulin or or uh, Primos. I don't think so. You no. know, I mean, maybe he was going to take more <laughs> ketones or something. I don't know, but no, he he's definitely obviously the workhorse, and you know, he looks great. But I think this is his his little race for him to kind of start a season, and I think he'll be up there. And he's basically Australian, right? Same same thing to <laughs> New us. New Zealand, Australia. It's, they're so close. <laughs> But, uh, well, that about wraps this show up uh, for this week. Next week, we're looking at another race. So we'll have the whole Tour Down Under recap next week. And then the Vuelta San Juan starts up on Sunday. 
which has uh, Alaphilippe and uh, Sagan. Sagan. You gotta lead with Sagan. Oh, you lead with Alaphilippe. Yeah, well, I mean, probably. Sagan's after the jump now. Oh. Sorry. Sad times. No, you gotta have, you have to draw the audience in. <laughs> Sad but true. This is how it goes, man. Until next week, see you guys. See ya. And then we're up about 7,700 feet, so climbing anything becomes a little more difficult. Yeah, no, definitely. So, uh, do you want to re-record that? <laughs> oh, do we want to re-record the fact that your phone isn't turned off, dude? Uh, yeah, we can. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. Ready for this cough to go. You away. piece of shit. <laughs> Blooper reel. <laughs> <laughs> Ruining this episode.